Welcome to this abbreviated worship service provided by St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbon A and Kankakee. I'm Pastor Mike Hanel, and I'll be leading today's service. You'll hear readings from God's Word, a sermon, the Lord's Prayer, and receive a benediction. Our epistle reading for today comes from Romans chapter 7, verses 14 through 25. And in this section, Paul is really wrestling with the Christian life, of what it means to live as a sinner, but also at the same time as a saint. And he realizes that that struggle, that struggle between the spirit and the flesh of knowing what we should do versus what we really do is an incredibly frustrating experience, an experience that we all face that feels like a never-ending struggle. Nevertheless, Paul knows that his hope ultimately relies in the fact that Jesus Christ died for his sins and redeemed him as a sinner. And so there will be a day upon his own death that he will be freed from the struggles of this sin, that he will only know his identity as a sinner. And with the resurrection of the body, he will find his flesh renewed. We know that the law is spiritual. But I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is the word of our Lord. The Holy Gospel now, according to St. Matthew, the 11th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. In our Gospel reading today, just to catch you up with a little bit of the context, if you open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11, you'd find that this is an important part of the gospel of Jesus. This is a part where John the baptizer is in prison, and it seems that he's starting to falter in his faith. After all, he is the one who is the forerunner to Jesus, the Messiah, and instead what he has seen is only rejection and persecution. And now he tells his own disciples to go and ask Jesus, are you the one or is there another? And when those disciples of John come to Jesus, Jesus tells them, look at what I've done. Look at what I've said. Look how the blind see, how the lame walk, how the dead are raised to life. And report these things back to John. And then right after that section, Jesus announces woes 
these statements of judgment on some of the cities and villages that have rejected that message of the gospel. Now, put all of those things together, and you would think that Jesus' mood is, is pretty down, that he sees that the advancement of God's kingdom is being thwarted at every step. People are rejecting that message. People are persecuting the bearers of that message. And yet, our gospel reading today, following right after that, is a prayer of praise, of thanksgiving. Jesus thanking God for doing the work of his kingdom. I think it's a good reminder for all of us that when we look around us and it doesn't look like there's a lot of good news, our general reaction is to complain, is to lament. But here, Jesus thanks God for being at work. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and the actions of our lives be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, with all of that talk about yokes in our gospel reading, I hope you had a big breakfast and you aren't hungry for eggs. Yeah? I do hope that you don't like your eggs scrambled because Jesus only knows how to serve them one way, over easy. Eh? All right, that's all my yokes for today. We'll just move on to the sermon. Well, if you did hear the gospel reading and that talk about yokes, I think you also heard that wonderful message that Jesus gives, the message that he gives to those who are weary and burdened. That is a message of rest. But I don't want to miss the metaphor that Jesus talks about taking our yoke and instead giving us his. See, the reason why I want to focus on that today is because I think it's easy to misunderstand what Jesus has to say. And if you misunderstand what he's saying, then I think you truly miss out on the sweetest part of this gospel message that Jesus brings us. See, the problem is that when we talk about yokes, not a lot of us have much experience. In fact, when we think about yokes, we really are thinking about breakfast. We are thinking about the kitchen. But that's not what Jesus has in mind, is it? So then maybe some of us think about farming 
And this is where yokes come into play. If you have a heavy wagon load of, of hay, of grain, of something that you hitch to oxen or to horses or to donkeys in order that they can move that wagon. And how do you do that? You do that with a yoke. You have a pole that goes out from the wagon, and then on each side, there's a T. That's the yoke. And on one side, you have one animal, and on the other side, you have another animal. And both of those animals together are able to carry that great load, that load that one of them on their own might not have been able to bear. So when we hear yokes, I think that's the imagery that most of us go to. And even though we don't have a lot of experience with those kind of yokes, we have the basic idea. Okay, Jesus is saying, hitch up with me. I'll be on one side of the yoke, you be on the other, and together we will do this. Is that what Jesus is saying? That, that he wants us to join with him and together we will go through this life? I don't think that's what Jesus has in mind. Because if you really think about how that would work, I'm not sure that that brings a lot of comfort. I'm not sure that that brings a lot of relief. Because the practical aspect of a yoke is this, that you have two animals there on that yoke, and they're each carrying part of the weight. They are working in cooperation. There is a partnership there. And the two oxen or horses or donkeys that are teamed up to that yoke, they have to basically be of equal strength. They have to carry their own share of the load. It does not work if you have one really strong ox on one side and a really puny one on the other. Think about that. It doesn't work. Even if they could manage to pull the weight, it would be the stronger one that is carrying the greater share of that weight, and the wagon wouldn't go where it needed to go. It would maybe end up going in kind of a zigzag pattern as that one ox tries to pull this way and tries to pull that way while the weaker one just sort of follows along. Or it might not even go forward. Instead, that strong ox might carry the wagon and go around and around and around in a circle. In any event, it doesn't work. In order for a yoke to work, you have to have two equally strong animals to carry that weight. But that metaphor of having two people under a yoke is a metaphor that we find in the Bible. In fact, Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, talks about Christians being unequally yoked with unbelievers. Now, in that metaphor, Paul exactly has this thought in mind. To think of two Christians joined to get to, rather, to think of two people joined together by this yoke, and if one is a Christian and one is not a Christian, Paul says, that doesn't work. You are unequally yoked. You might think, hey, we love one another and we can make this work, but Paul wants to make sure 
that we're not pulling the wool over our eyes. He says, it's going to run into problems. Just like those unequal oxen, and you find that the wagon doesn't go in a straight path, what often happens with Christians who are unequally yoked to unbelievers in marriage is that problems are going to develop. You might think that you are there and you are in it together, but soon you can find that you might have different values. You have different opinions. You are on your way to a different destination. And so you find yourself not working together, but going the opposite way. And Paul wants Christians to know that that is going to mean a lot of headaches. That's going to mean a lot of stress. Now, that metaphor is used of people. So is that the metaphor that Jesus has in mind here? And I don't think that it is. Is it that Jesus is inviting us to a cooperative partnership? That we will go through life together? That he will carry part of the load and we will carry part of the load? Now, if you think about that, it shouldn't work very well in your mind. You might think, wait a second, if Jesus is there and I am yoked with him, isn't that unequally yoking myself to somebody that is much more powerful than I, someone who can do much more than I, and I'm not really going to be able to carry my fair share? And hey, didn't Jesus talk about getting rid of my burdens? Instead, this sounds like I'm just piling my burdens on that wagon, and the wagon keeps getting bigger and bigger, and that doesn't sound very good to me. That's not what I signed up for. You may think, well, but wouldn't it be good to be yoked with Jesus? Yes, he is stronger than I am. He is more powerful. He is going to be the one who takes the lead, and I'll just, I'll just kind of follow the same direction that he's going and there are some practical aspects of living in the footsteps of Jesus. That Jesus is teaching us the way to go and we follow him. But more often than not, you're going to find yourself stumbling. You're going to find yourself not wanting to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Instead, Jesus is going on that straight path, and you might say, look, look, there's something over there. I want to go over in that direction. And you try to push and pull, and it just doesn't work, and it leaves you even more tired or more oppressed. Or what's worse, you might try to get out of that yoke completely and leave that partnership. Now, to be sure, there is something good about thinking that we walk through this life following Jesus' footsteps. But when you think like that, you have to understand that this is the law speaking. And while the law is good, it speaks to us and it speaks to all of us that sinful flesh in us, as Paul talked about, it rebels. It doesn't want to follow. And in fact, the sinful flesh in us can never follow the law completely. Not 100%. And so you need to know that even though it is good for us to follow Jesus, that is not the path of salvation. 
Salvation doesn't come to us based on how well we follow Jesus. And the comfort, the comfort of the gospel is that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. We are not saved by how well or how poorly we follow him because none of us would make it. So think about that and go back to how you heard Jesus' words in the gospel reading. When Jesus said, come, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, did that sound like a word of law? Or did it sound like the sweet gospel message that you needed to hear? Now, if you're like me, I think you would say, that doesn't sound very much like law, Pastor. That sounds like the free gift of God. And I think you're right. I think it is a gospel message. And so that's why I don't think you can understand Jesus's invitation through that metaphor of the yoke that joins two animals, or people in this case, to work cooperatively in a partnership through life. So what is it that Jesus is trying to say? Well, there is another kind of yoke out there. This is not the yoke necessarily used by oxen or horses or donkeys. Rather, the yoke that I have in mind is sometimes called a shoulder yoke. It is a yoke that is placed upon your shoulders and with a weight on one end and a weight on another. If you carry that weight in this kind of way, you find that you can carry so much more than you would have been able to carry just by one hand and the other hand. This kind of yoke is a huge help. It has been a huge help to people of all time. You might know this kind of yoke a little bit more if you've ever done uh, exercise at the gym. You can find that your legs can carry a huge weight versus what your hands, what your arms would have been able to hold. So there is a lot of strength there. You can carry big burdens. That's the yoke, I think, that Jesus is talking about here in this metaphor. Because if you think about our life, we carry with us all kinds of weights. They weigh upon us. They burden us. They make us weary and tired, and we carry so much with us. Jesus comes to us, and he sees us, and he knows we can't carry that anymore. And so Jesus says, take that yoke away from yourself. Give it to me. I will carry that yoke. I will carry that burden for you, and in exchange, I will give you my yoke. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In other words, what Jesus is talking about here is not a a great partnership or cooperation. Instead, Jesus is offering an exchange. You give me your burdens, I will give you mine. And tell me which is better. That's the gospel. Now, 
some of us, uh, we, we hesitate here. Because wait a second, if Jesus takes my burdens, I'm all about that. I, I want to be a part of that. But why does he give me a new yoke? Why does he give me burdens back? That shouldn't be how that works. Instead, I want Jesus to take my burdens and I want to live life easy, sipping lemonade under the tree in the shade. That's the kind of life that I want to have. Now, Jesus says in our gospel reading, as he prays to his heavenly Father, that, that God the Father has hidden his message from the wise, from the learned, from those who have all of the success in this world. Now, Jesus doesn't mean that if you have a doctoral degree or if you're very intelligent, that you can't be a part of God's kingdom. Instead, he's saying that this good news it's not really good news to people who are used to carrying their own weight around and they're perfectly okay with it. They are satisfied with that and they get angry with all of the other people who aren't doing their fair share. Those kind of people look down at them and say, wait a second, I have my burdens. I carry them around. I don't complain. You need to do the same thing. Those types of people hear Jesus's message and they don't get it because they are holding tight to their own burdens. Instead, Jesus says that God has revealed this to little children, to those who realize that they are not self-sufficient. They know that they cannot do this on their own. And so where do you fall? Are you a liar, a cheat? Do you struggle with some secret addiction? Is there some sin that is a part of your life that you cannot free yourself? Is there some sin and brokenness that is a part of your life that you hide from all other people because you think, if only they knew this about me, it would completely change my relationship with them. They would want nothing to do with me anymore. Are you somebody who is worn out? Are you somebody who at the beginning of each day, you just, you don't know how you can move forward. You don't know how you can do it anymore. Are you worn out by the news that you always hear around you about the fears and the anxieties and the uncertainties? Are you at a loss because you don't know if your employment will last? Or you don't know where that next paycheck is coming from. Are you struggling through this time? Are you weighed down? Are you weary? Are you broken? If so, Jesus says this message is for you. And this message is a sweet gospel message, a message that you need to hear, that Jesus wants those burdens. He wants those things that have been weighing you down. He takes them free and clear, and in turn, he gives you his yoke and his burdens.
But what are those burdens that Jesus gives us? Those burdens that he calls light and easy. Well, he says burdens, but they aren't burdens at all. They are blessings. The blessings of Jesus's yoke are things like forgiveness of our sins, a a clear conscience. They are things like his grace and his mercy, that gift of everlasting life, the promise of the resurrection of our bodies, that that sense of identity that we have from knowing that we are adopted into God's family. These are the burdens that Jesus gives to us. And he gives us these things free and clear. But there is work. There is still work to do. See, Jesus doesn't say, go sit under that shade tree and sip on your lemonade. Instead, he gives us his yoke because there is work to do. Are you a father or a mother, a son or a daughter, a grandparent or a grandchild, a brother or a sister, an aunt or uncle, a niece or a nephew, an employer, an employee? Wherever you are, There is work that God has called you to do. But God never leaves us ill-equipped, does he? See, when he takes your burden and he gives you his burden, he gives you everything you need for those tasks. Because the people around you, the people in your lives, they're carrying around those heavy burdens too. And they need that exchange. They need those things that Jesus has given to you that you now can give to them. Jesus has called you to work. And so his burden is easy and light because those things don't weigh us down. Those are not things that we carry with us for ourselves as much as they are things that we have to give to the people around us. And so we find that Jesus's burdens don't keep getting heavier and heavier, but rather it is lighter and lighter and lighter because we give to people God's grace. We give to people his forgiveness. We give to people his peace, his reconciliation. And as we give to people from the burden that Christ has given to us, we help them because they're weary. They're broken. They're burdened too. See, the gift that Jesus gives us in this gospel message is that most wonderful exchange. Yes, Jesus wants us to walk with him, and we do so. But before we can walk with Jesus, we need to be able to walk. We need to be able to live. We need him to take our burdens from us. And he does so. But that's not all. He also gives us his burdens, his blessings. And he calls us. He calls us to bring those burdens, bring those blessings to the people around us as well. See, Jesus doesn't ever just serve us. He serves us so that we can serve the people around us.
In this moment when Jesus' kingdom seems to be under attack, Jesus isn't threatened. Instead, he doubles down because he sees God at work. May your eyes be open this day as you struggle, as you worry, as you are weary. You may be tempted to think that, that Jesus' kingdom is, is under attack, that Jesus' kingdom and this world is falling apart. But may you too be able to thank God that he has hidden these things from the wise and the powerful and revealed them to the foolish, to little children, to people like us, but also to the people whose lives we are able to touch. In his name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and risen Savior. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And now receive the blessing of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Thanks again for joining us in this time of worship. From all of us at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, we thank you for listening. You can continue to hear our online worship services on our website. Just go to stpaulslutheran.net and click worship on the menu. God's blessings to you this day.